You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Time for Manning for the end zone. Touchdown Giants! Evan Ingram! Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Uh, good afternoon, Grump. What is uh, what has shaken this uh, fine late March evening? Well, back from vacation, but still in vacation mode. I am drinking a Modelo. <laughs> Outstanding, because this off season may cause you, may drive you to drink anyway. So yeah, you got to taper into a season like this. You can't just go full force. You'll get you know various liver ailments. But we're not drinking and driving on this program, so that's our public service announcement for the day. <laughs> well, thanks for covering the legal side. <laughs> As always, you can find this show on iTunes and SoundCloud and Podbean also. That's right. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Podbean's picked this up, so all you Podbeaners out there, welcome to the program. Of which there is at least one who commented, somebody commented saying that our iTunes link still isn't working, so. <laughs> that comment might have been from me. <laughs> and yes, yeah. we are aware that it is not working. I am incredibly lazy, and I keep forgetting to look into it. So we will at some point have some surprising news that we have fixed it. So yeah. until then, go into SoundCloud, Podbean, and wherever else you yeah. get your uh, get your programming from. Um, you know, I, I guess since the last broadcast, uh, the only thing that's happened other than my vacation is like a, a bit of a what was it, a press conference or like a town hall meeting or something? Uh, I think it was a, a conference call, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. But there was some sort of public statements made by uh, the mayor's, um, I think, Steve Tisch as well, and, and probably most notably Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer, I believe, too, right? I don't recall anything from Shermer. I know definitely Gettleman spoke and the mayor's spoke, so... But the um, point, the point being is that uh, you know it's nice fodder for sports radio. It's nice fodder for the the all the blogs out there. People are already going insane. But what do we really learn? Basically, nothing. No, and you're not going to learn anything. I, I think we kind of touched on this a little bit too. Is like when we talked about Gettleman's plan and everybody wanting to know what the plan is. I don't want to know. I don't. I know that like people are. They need some sort of information, and this is sort of the dry season. Uh, but, you know, if I know, then everyone knows. And if everyone knows, then people can plan around it. And I don't want that. I want to be as ambiguous as possible. You know, it's not important that I know. And each individual move is not the culmination of the plan. I hate to break it to everybody, but this plan is going to take several years. It's not a... You can't fix a multi-year problem in one year, in one transaction, in one trade, in one draft pick, one free agent signing. This is a mess. This is one of the worst franchises in the NFL at the current state, and it requires a lot of roster rebuilding. So every time you see one move, you know this is this is chess, not checkers. This move is might be predicated by two other moves ahead of it. So. Everybody just relax. Well, I mean, I think also that the plan is pretty obvious, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, the plan is to build a better roster. The plan, and- the plan is pretty obvious. Exactly, it's get out of salary cap hell, 
get more draft picks, use those draft picks either to draft talent or to trade to get better draft picks and build this core by being younger and cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. And and, and those I mean, people want to know positions, they want to know players. You know, it's not predicated on the Giants. It's predicated on what everybody in the league does. They want to get the best players. And, you know, ultimately that means that almost every position you want the best players but you kind of take what's available you know and what is necessary for right now i mean yeah yeah some there are positions there are roster spots that are stop stop gaps for right now they're not part of the master plan but you can't you know have 13 guys on your roster because you're building for the master plan of course, and 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 uh, any move like the the Becca move is going to come with some sort of major backlash, but you know, it comes at the expense of you know obtaining more picks to do more things with and fill different holes and ultimately try to get better. I mean, you know, we can quibble over a guy like that and how much better he makes your team individually. And that would be a legitimate debate and argument, but at this point, it, what's done is done, and you know what was done can, in fact, be used to make the team overall better. Yeah, I mean, again, and also having talent like a Beckham right now. Now, of course, this sounds a little like revisionist history on our part, but does Odell Beckham and his talent right now make this team better for the next? five or six years or the replacement of his value help out to making us better quicker. That's a decision. That's something that will be determined in a couple of years to see how, you know, the draft picks pan out, you know, it does, uh, you know, all these different factors, but when you are a mess and you have to rebuild, you know, you can't just be keeping fan favorites because they're fan favorites. Of course. Well, yeah. And, and you know, People really are lashing out at, you know, Mara. And I think that my my opinion is that the Maras and Tishes understood at the fiasco that was Ben McAdoo. And, you know, this wasn't really often reported, but it was stated that Jerry Reese was not a big fan of Ben McAdoo being the head coach. I mean, it was claimed that he was not his guy, which means that it was somebody else who made that decision. Now, sure as shit wasn't Tom Coughlin. <laughs> my my only thought is that it could have been Mark Ross, which doesn't make any sense because it's not his place as, you know, player personnel. Um, the Maras are the Tishes. And I don't think that the Tishes, Steve Tish is the only owner, I think, of the team, right? They're um, not involved. And they're, they're not involved yeah. in the football operations. They are 50% owners for an investment. They, you know, they make, they have about as much hands-on as me and you do with the team. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, it, it kind of stands to reason that the Maras were heavily involved in making sure that Ben McAdoo stayed with the team. If that meant becoming the head coach, then so be it. Um, I think they understood with the fiasco with Ben McAdoo and uh, the benching of Eli Manning two years ago. I think they understand that they don't know what they're doing. They need a GM that strong has a definite path. Not necessarily a specific plan, but a path to get better. And I think a lot of the trading Odell Beckham, you know, figuring out what to do at quarterback has been mostly handed off to Gettleman. And I think that was part of the interview process. 
How do we get better? Tell us your ideas. And I think they've mostly handed it off to him. So, you know, for better or for worse, if there's any things you like or don't like, I have no doubts in my mind that there is no sentiment for Eli Manning keeping him on the team. No, no, no. He's not he is not still on this roster and he will not be the starting quarterback in 2019 and he's not going to potentially get an extension for one more year for salary cap purposes because they have this undying love for him. That's not the case. No, they have an they undying have- love for money and that comes from winning and so they want to win no matter what that means. I mean, you'd you'd like to think that there's probably some more noble things in there, maybe a higher morals, higher class organization. And to a certain extent, I think that that's true. Higher, not the highest maybe, but, you know, ultimately this team wants to win. At ownership level, they want to win. And that will mean cutting guys that have to be cut. Well, I mean, this whole notion that they are sticking with Eli. You know, it's that's not what's actually happening here. It's one of those situations where he has a contract. It makes more value sense to keep him on this contract than to cut him. And as of right now on this roster, there are no better options. You know, everybody loves to fire this guy, cut this guy. It's like, you better tell me what the replacement plan is. And, you know, it it could be far, far worse than it is right now. There's a whole handful of teams in this league that do not have a plan B, and their plan A is awful. So it's not a question of we are committed to Eli Manning for X amount of time. He is one of those placeholders we talked about a little earlier in the show that, you know, for the amount of money he's, he's making, the cost it is to cut him at this moment and the lack of replacement, he's your quarterback. That does that does not equate to we are sticking with him. He's our guy. And he's just here. Yeah, and and when we when we talk about what the replacement is, tell me what your replacement is is if you want to cut him. Now, look, those of you who say we'll trade for Josh Rosen, hey, I'm right there with you. I liked Josh Rosen last year. Um I I would have loved having him. He was available, we didn't pick him. Uh, but you know, that's not really how it works. I mean, for starters, I have no idea why Arizona would truly trade him. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me to draft Kyler Murray and trade Josh Rosen, but you know, should they even do that? They have suitors. They're going to go to the highest bidder and that means they're going to take their time. So, you know, it, it it's not one of those things where what are you going to cut Eli now because you're going to try and trade for Josh Rosen later? That doesn't make any sense. And same thing if you want to trade up to draft Dwayne Haskins or Kyler Murray or whoever it is you want, the draft hasn't happened yet. So why are you going to cut this man now? What if you don't get him? You know now now you have nothing. It doesn't make any sense. So just stay patient. Nothing means that they're sticking with anybody. And if anything, the the Beckham trade shows that nobody on this roster is safe. Not no, for sentiment, no. not for price tag. No reason. Nobody is safe. Exactly, and you're right. You know, there is a chance that Eli will not be the starting quarterback in 2019, or not even on this roster. We, just, you don't know what other pieces are going to happen going forward. I mean, somebody might make a sweetheart deal, you know, to trade into six and give more than they should, or something. I mean, there's always an Oakland Raiders out there. There's always a Dallas Cowboys out there who overspend 
to get their guy. So who knows? You know, let's let's get to the draft and let's see what happens in the draft before, you know, you start freaking out or if you're freaking out is even justified. Because last time I checked, this offensive line is a lot better than it was at the start of the 2018 season before we even have a draft. Absolutely. And, and and if you're really, really dying for football, you know, and I know it's like the dead season. Baseball's only just started. <clears throat> hockey is, you know, if you're not into hockey, it's not one of the more popular sports. Basketball sucks. Um, <laughs> well, you know. we, yeah, we'll have, a, we'll have a separate point counterpoint about that later. But College basketball is something to watch. But if you really want football, you know, the AAF is not that bad. Um, if anybody watched, uh, last night's game was actually really fun to watch the, uh, the express game. They came back to win against the Birmingham iron in overtime. First overtime win. Well, congratulations. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> Try my I'll have best. to say, I'll have to say I did not pay one second of attention to it. So. Well, I mean, I, I had it on while I was doing pre prep work for the show and it was just on with no sound on. And I just kept checking the score and, uh, you know, Johnny Football made his debut for the Express. I don't think he he definitely didn't play the whole game, but you know, he's only just acquired, so whatever. And I'm watching as uh, the Express is kind of mounting this comeback, and then with like seconds left in the fourth quarter, they they score a tying touchdown, and then of course they you have to go for two. So that was the only way they could have tied it, and they got that, which is already pretty exciting. Then they go into overtime and they win there. It was. It's a good game. It was fun. I didn't care at first, but as the game went on, I was legitimately interested in how it ended. Crumpus, you've been watching the AAF. You've been watching it more than I have. Has anybody or anything kind of stood out to you that say this is something or someone that uh, could get a look in the NFL? Or is there, is there any been, you know, any sort of talent at all? Or you think right now, again, this is also year one of this league and it's going to have to get its legs on what exactly it's going to be. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, as as the league lives on for three years or so, you know, you're going to start seeing more and more talent come out of there. The guys that were kind of risks in the draft, probably the guys with off the field issues, you know, in the draft, guys that were coming back from a devastating injury or something like that. Uh, sure, you're going to see more and more talent. I, I think right now there's a couple guys, um, you know, I think. One of the positions that's hard to gauge is is corner, you know, coming out of college because, you know, the talent discrepancy is so vast. You know, I think it's also one of those things that guys need more time and experience to develop and they don't get all that time in college. I mean, so many times we you have these guys come in on um, – they're, they're not highly touted out of school and they develop into being one of the better corners in the league. I mean, even just look at Richard Sherman. I don't even think he played the position. For, for most I of his college career. He was a wide receiver, he was, wasn't he? When he was at Cal? No, I don't believe he did. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, guys like that, I think, will thrive. For for right now, I you know, I, I don't know a whole lot about the players around the league. Uh, but there are some NFL cast-offs like uh, Charles Johnson, uh, wide receiver, I believe used to be with the Jets, is like the league-leading receiver for um, Orlando. And I mean, like, it's just he's he's above and beyond what what they're able to handle right now. And I think you know maybe him not right now, but guys like him that are like NFL castoffs will get reintroduced to the NFL. And I think that uh, given the overall NFL 
desperate need for quarterback play, you'll probably find one or two quarterbacks that will be taken in as developmental guys into the NFL. Oh, interesting. Okay. There's nothing – no one's really stood out to you personally. Like I've seen this guy and like, hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, there, like I said, there's a couple corners. I can't remember them by name, but I mean – it's it's something that I I don't really take notice week to week, but in the moment of that game, like man, they're really decent coverage right there, you mm-hmm. know, stuff like that. So, gotcha. I'll, I'll do better to report back next time. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Please. Season's already halfway over. What am I thinking? <laughs> <clears throat> um, so you know, as we were talking about Odell Beckham, you know, trading a guy like that makes a massive hole on an entire roster, but specifically at you know the position he plays, right? Um, and you know, the giants went out and to their credit, got probably the best wide receiver on the free agent market to come in and help fill that hole, you know, uh, acquiring golden Tate, uh, you know, re tendering Corey Coleman, re-signing, uh, Cody Latimer, you have a wide receiver core that is unspectacular, but well-rounded. I would probably say it's okay. You know, it's not, it's certainly not bad. Uh, and y- your starters are probably Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Corey Coleman. Um, and your backups, you know, Corey Coleman and Cody Latimer are probably, you know, I'm not really sure which one is really going to, they'll probably split time. But you have young guys like Jawil Davis that they, they were really trying to work into the mix last year. Quadri Henderson that they acquired last year. Benny Fowler had some... Uh, playing time and then other guys Britton Golden that I don't know anything about because I don't think we saw him and Alonzo Russell uh, what do you say Grump to people who say you know why spend the money for a guy like Golden Tate when you just had a guy like Odell Beckham This it doesn't ring to be a rebuilding project it seems like a guy who's kind of a win now receiver do you think that's I don't, I don't I don't think that that's true um you know, I, I, I mean, he he got a decent amount of money, but I don't think money is really their issue. I don't think they're going out to buy a bunch of free agents this year. Um, I think that we still haven't seen the details of the contract, to my knowledge, where we know where the money is going year to year. Um, but, I mean, we have so much free space next year that it's not even funny. Um, and, and, you know, he's, to me, probably a stopgap guy where maybe in the last year or so in his contract, you're really competing. Um, but again, I think there's some intangibles that he brings, uh, you know, he brings some toughness, some experience, some leadership ability. Um, and I, I think also you can't, you know, there's, there's a chance that Sterling Shepard isn't here next year. Um, well, that was, was going to be my point I was leading up to is kind of, uh, you know, the second kind of criticism of this move was, well, he kind of does the same thing Sterling Shepard does, but there is no guarantee Sterling Shepard is on this roster in 2020. Or Corey Coleman or Cody Latimer. You know exactly. what I mean? So, so there needs to be some sort of multi-year thing going on there. And you can't rely on the draft, which is what I'm about to get to. This draft sucks if you need a number one receiver. There just really isn't one. Mm-hmm. Um, not one that I would I would put money on anyway. Um, so I watched extensive tape on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven wide receivers. 
and I can definitively say that I would be surprised. Uh, I, I didn't have a first round grade on any of them. I'll, I'll put it that way. So, you know, not often do you get a number one wide receiver that doesn't have a first round grade. Yeah. And again, I don't think that is, we, we did mention, I think in last week's episode that wide receiver has now gone up our need chart for sure, but not yeah. at the point that we're going to reach to get one. We're still in the, get the best player mode right now. I think so. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at the team this year, you have basically no number one wide receiver. I think that Golden Tate maybe is a good slot guy, number two guy, whatever, but I think he can also function as a number three. I think Sterling Shepard has proven that he's really a number two guy. Uh, you know, totally. Corey, Corey Coleman has not emerged as the number one that people thought he would when he was drafted. Cody Latimer is clearly a three also. So it seems like we have a bunch of twos and threes, and we're lacking a one. Um. It's unfortunate, but I mean, ultimately, if the Giants are going to look for a wide receiver here, they want a guy who can develop into being probably either a speed guy or an over uh, or a possession guy. Because mm-hmm. I mean, those are the two things that I don't think they really have. Let me ask you another question: Do you think that Evan Ingram will ultimately be converted to a wide receiver from tight end, or do you think he'll still be kind of this hybridy guy? You know, it's it's interesting when you say that because I, I I when when you say converted, I mean it almost seems like that would be his place within the rest of the league. You know, if, if the offense develops him, you know, cuts his role out to be a wide receiver, then certainly, yeah. Um, and I think that this organization has put an emphasis on tight ends who can block. You know, they have committed to Scott Simonson. They've they've still got um, Rhett Ellison on the roster despite what people thought to be a bit of a bloated contract for him. Um, yeah, I, I think it's possible. Um, do I think it's wise? Eh, I think I think the fact that he can do that while also being in line is still what you want. You want a, a Swiss army knife of types so that he can be a mismatch. I mean, I think if you put him out there all the time and he's drawing, you know, cornerbacks rather than linebackers and safeties, it's it's – taking away his mismatch ability. That's my, my analysis of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, the advantage of having him do that sometimes is that sometimes you allocate the defense's resources to covering him, right? I mean, if you force a cornerback to cover him rather than Corey Coleman or Golden Tate or something, then you're really using him to be a decoy or, or something. You know, you're allocating resources away from your other threats. So his ability to do that is still an asset, but putting him out there all the time, I think you're really eliminating him from your offense. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Let's look into our crystal ball then for this year. If you are going to rank from one to four, who will have the most receptions this year from wide receiver uh, position? Who would they be? Oof, that's an interesting one. Um, and, I mean, well, and we can also do this. You can also throw in Saquon Barkley into the mix. We could just say from a pass catching, you know, we have to restrict it to just wide receivers. I don't know. Um, I think I think it might be Barkley as, as you know, I, I think there won't be as much of a need for him to catch the ball as much. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that the revamped offensive line will allow him to stay on the ground more. But I think that, his ability with the ball in his hand is too much 
I mean, you know, having him go into the slot, which he can do. I mean, they've even split him out wide. Having him, um, you know, with like a play action screen or something, he's still so dangerous that I think he might end up getting a lot more catches than maybe anybody else. But I don't think it'll be relied upon as much as it was last year, where it was like mm-hmm. kind of ninety percent of our offense. Yeah, it had to be pretty much. It was what makes it to keep Eli upright. Yeah, and and I don't think that need is there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that Tate might get it. I mean, it's going to be between Tate and Shepard, I, I think. But Tate is a little bit tougher over the middle than Shepard is. Um, mm-hmm. Uh. That it could go one way or the other, though. I mean, Shepard's a lot shiftier in 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 tight spaces, so that that's my take. I don't know if you agree or not, but I agree too. Uh, I look at it. Uh, I I have a feeling that they're going to get the ball a lot to Ingram this year. I'm I'm, I'm sorry, um, Sterling Shepard this year. Okay. I I think uh, this is going to be this kind of. For part of the reason too, they want to see if he can handle a load like that. They're going to try to resign him the year after. You know, I, I'm not exactly sure what his market is going to be in free agency. Is he really a one or a two or, you know, I, don't I think know, that, yeah. I mean, so I, I think I think you're going to see, not that them force feeding the ball to him. I think he's going to they're going to try to use him as the go-to guy if they can to kind of judge does he have a long-term value on this team or not for what they're going to have to pay him for. Now, he's a guy that gets like 90 catches this year. I think they'll have an easier time justifying having to pay him. If he's someone that's just, you know, he's a two, they may not want to pay that money. And someone else will, but it may not be us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other thing is the more he's able to catch the ball, you know, the more he's driving his price up at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, money is not a problem next year. Right, but they want, but they need to justify spending that money, though. They, yeah, the and they also have to fix a zillion different things. So, right, but I mean, again, you know, a lot of these problems that we were worried about of, oh no, we need to resign Landon Collins, we need some money, we need to resign Odell Beckham, we need some money, you know, all these guys are coming on expired contracts. It's not really an issue anymore because we've gotten rid of all of them. Yeah, um, I mean, who's who is the biggest free agent need coming up in the next year or so? I don't is, know, but I would assume Ingram is. We'll be showing Shepard. Right. It would be Shepard, then Ingram. Ingram's the year after that. I'm talking about like even for the 2000, you know, going into 2020 free agency. I don't know. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys coming up on contracts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tomlinson, he's he's still young. Yeah. You know, all the rookies from last year, obviously not. Um, the guys, the big money guys we spent are still around. And that, you know, a guy like Janoris Jenkins, that decision has to be made next year. Um, the decision may be to cut him as opposed to resigning him, but we don't know yet. Yeah. So you're right. There really isn't that kind of, that worry you know, is not lingering right now. Yeah. No one you consider like to be franchised next year or, or, you know, restricted tag or anything. So, well, let me ask you this question. How many years do you go before you start thinking about, putting a price on Barkley. I know that this is very premature talk. I understand it's only been one year, but I'm just wondering, mean? I mean, you know, how long do you start working on an extension for him? I mean, it's pretty clear they've developed the offense to be around him. They 
seems to be that they want him to be the new face of the organization. It's so dangerous with running backs. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, there's still just the the average shelf life of a guy like him is just it's it's so scary to put so much money into a guy like that in a commitment. I and also let's see a couple let, let's see what the giant situation is in a couple of years too if we're getting into after year three and this team is still a five and 11 waste of time you know is the value in spending that much sure yeah that makes on a sense. running back be, be, be worth it so i i think it's just way way too early for it well how long did todd Gurley go before he got his big deal but oh. the, the rams are also in a different situation than the giants are too well of course the rams yeah. kind of went into this year in like a win now mode the way the money they spent on the defense and everything so you know we are at the beginning of a rebuild or you know in the throes of it yeah. so i mean the rams waited until after three seasons they they sent signed his extension then even though as a first round pick they could have had him for five years on his rookie contract you know i'm kind of wondering if that's the smart thing is you know if you're in a position where the giants may be after potentially drafting a quarterback this year where you have a young up and coming team because the shelf life of running back is is so low. Do you get that contract extension early? And, you know, essentially you have Todd Gurley for seven years, you know, three years of his rookie deal four year extension um, and make the most of that time. We might have arthritis right now too. Well, I I understand (laughs) that the different, he, he also had a, um, a very bad knee injury in college, which Barkley did. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I'm just saying in general, I mean, that was sort of what I was thinking is like, do you try and get that extension out of the way early while it's still part of the prime of their career, which is much younger than say a tackle or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know that that's really the next big thing. The giants seriously have to worry about is, keeping Saquon Barkley. And that's a bit off in the future, especially since he's only played one year. So I think it's too, I think it honestly is too premature. And I also don't think he's the type of personality that's going to, you know, like a guy like Beckham, you know, ultimately the contract talk was going to start. Sure. I think, you know, Barkley is much more of a quiet guy and kind of a, you know, not a big as much of a limelight type of guy and you know an attention guy at Beckham so I don't think it'll be much of an issue to have to worry about well again to be to be fair um Beckham was not Beckham um really after his first year mm-hmm. I mean he kind of came to the limelight sort of in the off season when he just continued to show how good he would be in between his first and second year but he really didn't become Beckham until that second year. So we don't mm-hmm. really totally know yet. But so I, I mean, I, I guess going into the draft and wide receivers that were here, I mean, the highest graded guy I had is a guy I just can't see the Giants taking. It's uh, Marquise Brown from Oklahoma. And the main reason why is because I feel like he's just too similar to what Sterling Shepard brings. He's only 5'9, but he is in the open field i mean he might as well he it's like you have to do a double take if it's brown or kyler murray um the way he's able to move with his speed and quickness he's probably the most polished route runner in in this class which you know to me other than catching ability like hands is the most important thing i look for in you know college prospects um 
But I mean, just just look up some stuff of Marquise playing. It, it's outstanding. But again, it just it's hard for me to imagine. It doesn't sound like a Gettleman need as well either. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> uh, you know, I'm going to squash this right now. I don't like DK Metcalf from Old Miss, and I don't like uh, Nikhil Harry from Arizona State either. I think that, you know, very, very, very overblown because they have the physical tools, you know, maybe a good combine workout. They are very bad, at, you know, side to side lateral quickness. Route running is not there, you know, inconsistent as hell. I, I would be kind of surprised if either one of them becomes anything in the NFL. And they both kind of remind me of Laquan Treadwell, who is mm-hmm. teetering on bust territory, I would say. But you know something also, it might be a blessing in disguise because, you know, if there were legitimate first round talent at wide receiver this year with, you know, the loss of Beckham, there could be this undue pressure to find the Beckham replacement and, you know, reach sure. for one of the guys where this year the talent pool is not, you know, superior. So you don't have to, you can easily justify that, well, we're not taking one in the first round because quite frankly, there aren't any guys up there. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise. Yeah. And, and you were somebody who saw, so I, I have uh, three, four guys. I think that the giants should keep their eye on. Should they fall far enough in the draft? And you have seen, I believe one of them in person, uh, what do you think about Riley Ridley out of Georgia? <laughs> Riley Ridley torched the Gators this year um, when one of our cornerbacks uh, got hurt. Third down, had like three big receptions on third down. I think two of them were touchdowns, if I remember. Um, you know, part of that pipeline that Georgia has of all these just elite talent they've been bringing in. Um, I don't know if he's a, you know, like a first round pick or something, but he'd definitely be something we'd be, you know, we can find in a, in a you know, third or fourth round maybe. Um, I don't really know what it is. I'm not sure what other people are seeing or not seeing, or if maybe he's just not receiving media hype, but I, I mean, I think he looks pretty close to complete. I mean, he's not going to be a number one, but he's certainly be a nice number two. And he's tall enough to be like a, you know, he's six one, you know, he's not short. The thing about the the thing about the Georgia offense, it's you know it's not explosive, yeah. So it's not an offense where you're going to see tons of just big plays like seventy yard bombs and things like that. They're very efficient. The offense. Um, we're going to talk a lot about uh, Jake Fromm, you know, probably next year <laughs> yeah. when when, he, when he's eligible to be in the draft. Um, we'll talk about him much more in my companion podcast, Mark and the Cranky Fan, uh, this year. But their offense is kind of half the field. Like they run a lot of plays where they roll him out to one side and he's throwing to a sideline mm-hmm. or, you know, it's not one of those spread the entire field and look, you know, scan to your second and third looks all over the field. So that's going to be one thing to be kind of looking at for from as we go forward. And because of that, you know, they, they, they play a lot of, you know, first down, first down, first down. They have, they have a great offensive line. They can take up tons of, of uh, clock. Obviously, the running backs they've had the last several years. So a guy like Ridley, you know, might kind of fall a little under the radar just because he's not the featured guy in an offense right. with a lot of talent and a lot of, you know, what they're trying to trying to do. Yeah, I think I think more so last uh, like 2017 with the uh, with Chubb and Michelle in the backfield, he kind of became 
you know, a, a uh, an afterthought in the offense mm-hmm. a little bit from the uh, from the fan perspective. Right, um, right. But for whatever reason, he's not receiving any sort of first round buzz, and I wouldn't put him in the first round, but certainly in the second round. But for some dumb reason, if he were to fall to the third round, I know wide receiver is not super high up on the list, but would go a long way to making this team better overall, given the uncertainty sure. at everybody outside of Golden Tate. Yeah, and I think also, you know, when you're getting rid of a guy like Beckham, you know, you're always thinking about the perception of your team, like from, you know, the media, the fans, the rest of the league and stuff. And I think now that you don't have a Beckham anymore, and also the perception of Golden Tate may not be number one, you can get away with taking a guy like that higher up on your draft board if you think he's the value. Yeah. It's not like, oh, it's a wasted pick. It's now there's a perception, oh, the Giants need a wide receiver. They need a, you know, they need a number one or they need a guy who's, you know, going to be a solid part of their rotation for receivers. So um, sometimes you do have benefits when you make a move like a Beckham where your expectations for a uh, a, a, a position rotation aren't there anymore. Sure. Yeah. My, my favorite guy out of the draft, and he's, he's really fallen because his quarterback, well, ultimately his team isn't very good, but his quarterback is awful. But as Hakeem Butler from Iowa State, um, I've only – and I, I'm kicking myself because I wish we had done this podcast like three weeks ago. We would have been the first ones to talk about this guy. I'm only recently seeing people start calling his name. Uh, but 6'5", 225, had garbage for a quarterback throwing to him. Polished route runner. He's not only fast. I believe he ran a 4'4". Um but is, is quick in and out of breaks. He's sudden in and out of breaks. And that's like really the big difference maker among, you know, wide receiver prospects is, you know, you see how rounded out their breaks are and, you know, how just not well they're sold, you know. Uh, but, I mean, this the dude has mastered the back shoulder because of his 4-4 speed. I mean, really just stops pretty close to on a dime. And in one-on-one coverage, he will dominate pretty much anybody in, in college. Um, I would have loved to have seen Iowa State play LSU or something for a little greedy Williams on him, but you know he's also got the side and size and the strength. I mean, six five, two twenty five, big, strong jumps. Um, you know, I think his biggest thing is that he's not always consistent with his hands. But again, at the same time, his quarterback play is yeah awful. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. But, I mean, I think that that's the guy they really should target. And because not many people were really talking about him, if he were to fall to the third or fourth round, would be huge in making this team better. When you see those numbers, you know, and you see, like, the 4-4 and everything, and then you know, it's, it's hard to believe. You know, somebody's going to need a wide receiver at some point. And yeah. You know, it's one of those sexy positions where they probably go a little higher than they should have just because of, you know, the uh, the spotlight that's on those skill positions. So. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with you. The yeah. other two guys are, are polar opposites that I have. I, you know, Gary Jennings from West Virginia. Um, you know, you said that Georgia is not an explosive offense. I think it's the, literally the exact opposite of what West Virginia <laughs> does. You know, am I right? I mean, it's just always in the shotgun, guys. Somebody is running wide open somewhere. It's one of my main arguments about Will Greer for all my fellow Gators that were kind of like, look what he's doing at West Virginia. It's like a completely different offense than we were trying to run in a completely different conference Mm -hmm. that 
you have to put 40, 50 points on every game and have 600 yards of offense or you will not win. And they do not play the defense like they do in the SEC or other big-time conferences. So it's apples and oranges. Um, having said that, you know, when you do have the tools and you do have a, a quarterback who is very accurate and Will Greer is a very accurate quarterback – you know, it, it, it's a good way to showcase yourself for the NFL. Yeah. And the other thing you need is a guy who can take the top off of a decent defense. Now, West Virginia had two good wide receivers, David Sills and uh, Gary Jennings. I, I personally, I saw way more out of Gary Jennings and David Sills. Um, you know, I, I think that he's got better route running. Unfortunately did not run a complex route tree at West Virginia, but um he does have reliable hands, but he's got the the deep speed. He really can take the top off of a defense, which, you know, I I think it was. Oh, who did they play? Mm, can't remember. <laughs> oh, it was Oklahoma. Duh. It was Oklahoma they played where it was, you know, I believe it was like 48 points on the board. It was back and forth in the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, it was oh, like. That was- that was that great game, like Thanksgiving weekend, if I remember. Yeah, something like that. And and I think he had he had two plays where he just ran the seam route, and he's just so fast, the safety couldn't get there in time. The corner lost him almost immediately, and it was like there were two plays they looked like replays. Um. Yeah, I mean he he is a guy who can stretch the defense, and uh, that what that does, you know, it forces guys to honor that and your underneath stuff comes open. And when you have guys like Shepard and Tate, those guys become your chain movers. Now, opposite of that, NC State had Calvin Harmon, who is not a kind of guy who will break you over the top, but is your possession receiver. He has very reliable hands. He's a very polished route runner. He's he's run a, a, a very good route tree at NC State. I mean, he also had, a, in my opinion, a good quarterback. I don't know why Ryan Finley is very low on most people's boards, but I would say is probably in the top five of quarterbacks in this uh, draft. But, you know, he's very good at winning contested catches, which is what you need your possession receiver to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I, I think he's an under-the-radar guy that will – probably never be the guy that opposing teams are like, man, we're really, or I, I guess opposing fans will, will have anything to say about Calvin Harmon or fantasy football players. will no one's going to want to draft Calvin Harmon, but there's going to be three games out of the year where he makes, you know, the catch that makes the, you know, converts on fourth down or, you know, makes the win possible. Um, he's that guy. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you say the possibilities of the Giants with one of their draft picks this year taking a wide receiver? Well, are we assuming that they're going to use all 12? Let's say for the draft picks that they use. Let's say how many draft picks they have right now? They have, they have 12, yeah. They have 12 right now. So let's say let's be let's say they use 10. Let's say they they package a couple for next year. Ten picks this year. I'll say there's probably mm, six out of ten, maybe around there. So I'm not talking about just drafting a, a wide receiver like in the last round just to kind of fill a spot that doesn't have a legitimate chance of making the team. I, I mean, you know, drafting someone with a legitimate chance to you know not only make the team but crack the rotation. 
Sure. Okay. Um, I'll say this: if if nobody falls to where, I don't think the need is high up on their on their board right now for them to plan for that. I think that they will, as always, uh, grade everybody in the draft. And should somebody be sitting there that should no longer be sitting there at the wide receiver position when they're about to pick, they'll pick him. So. I, you know, I don't know how you would want to put a percentage rating on that. I mean, that comes down to how other teams, you know, yeah. how the draft falls. But I, I, I do think that this is a need that they're aware of. Bar, yeah, barring that scenario, barring yeah. where someone like barring that, I mean, I, it, it, are they going to pick somebody in the first three? I'll say in the first four picks, probably not. I think it's going to yeah. come down to those two fourth round picks that they have. If they were to still have both of those, if some if somebody's sitting there that shouldn't be sitting there, like a you know, Hakeem Butler or, you know, Calvin Harmon is sitting there. They would be foolish, I would think, not to take them unless somebody else more important is sitting there. But right. otherwise, I don't think that they're really planning on what they're going to do at wide receiver in this coming draft. And I think, I think you know, something with the Saquon Barkley's draft pick last year, I think is a good insight into Gettleman also. Like, he is going to pick who he thinks is the best available talent. Sure. And he, he really thought that Barkley is the best available talent. So you're right. If somebody kind of drops a little bit or if they figure that someone, a wide receiver, is the best available talent at round three or whenever, they're going to take him. I think that that's, that's a good harbinger of what's going to happen in the future. So, Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, you know, I think he might put a little emphasis on the trench part of the game, which is not wide receiver at all. But you know, so much emphasis has been put on this offensive line. You know, I, I think that they can still stand, obviously, to upgrade right tackle, but also center. Um, and I think that if they're going to upgrade right tackle, they might be looking at a guy who could potentially become a left tackle. You know, as Nate Solder continues to get older, and he can look for depth as well. Of I mean, course, yeah. We have one or two injuries. We're right back to where we were last year. Of this course. You know, we don't have a rotation of, you know, eight guys we can really count on right now. Yeah, and, and, you know, for that matter, you know, the defensive line is probably the strongest part of the defense at this point uh, just because of what we've been able to get at uh, out of B.J. Hill and Dalvin Tomlinson. But I've seen some mocks where, for some reason or another, Quinnen Williams is falling to six. You better believe that... James Betcher, uh, James Betcher, you know, James Betcher, and 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 Dave Gettleman for that. We'll be matter. on. We'll be on the phone talking to Dave Gettleman ASAP, yeah. saying, "Listen, get this bitch." While <laughs> hyperventilating, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the the trenches, the best guy available, one hundred percent going to be taken by Gettleman. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's that's a strategy also that we've seen a lot of teams employ that you you stockpile your best position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. You you create a rotation where your best thing just got better. You yeah, you, your worst case scenario is that you have more talent than you can rotate, and now you have you know a trade asset. Exactly. Yeah. This is we are all about the asset business right now. Sure. We're all about yeah. <laughs> we're all about asses and assets. That's yeah. what that's our <laughs> motto around here. <laughs> And with that, you can find all of Mike's humor on Twitter at, at the cranky fan. <laughs> Asses and assets as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Yes, check me out on Twitter at the cranky fan. Um, 
you know, we're getting into uh, close to you know, baseball season starts this week. You'll hear a lot of Tampa Bay Rays talk. You know, hockey playoffs are starting soon. We have spring practice for the Gators, and we are in our march for the NFL draft. So a lot going on right now. And, of course, all the Apollo talk you care oh. to hear. Oh, so. yeah. Oh, really? On the, on the Mark and Cranky Fan Show? Uh, we've, uh, we will have a little uh, piece on that this week probably. Our discussing our with our – our Steve Spurrier connections and everything. So nice. how about that? Look at that. Yeah. Well, you can find me on Twitter at, at the, uh, the football uh, at football underscore grump. Sorry. Um, and, uh, I will have breakdowns of what I thought of every guy that I watched. Um, I didn't touch on them because a lot of them were disappointing and weren't really worth the time, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of you actually have questions, so I'll, I'll, you know, post what I did watch. So I don't feel like I wasted my time. Um, <laughs> It's never, and, it's never a time waste, Grump. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's at football underscore Grump. And as always, this podcast will not be available on iTunes until we get that link fixed, but will be <laughs> available on SoundCloud and I think Podbean also. That's correct. And stay tuned for more outlets where you'll hear this fantastic podcast. So That's true. For all, you upcoming. for all you sponsors that have been waiting for us to be on more outlets, we are working on that. So Yeah. Thank you, Modelo. <laughs> Get your money, uh, get your money ready. <laughs> All right, everyone, go Giants! The Giants.